Amos chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's begin reading verse 1. Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you, Israelites, against the entire clan that I brought up from the land of Egypt. I have known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. Can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl from its lair unless it has captured something? Does a bird land in a trap on the ground if there's no bait for it? Does a trap spring from the ground when it has caught nothing? If a ram's horn is blown in a city, aren't people afraid? If disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who will not prophesy? Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt. Assemble on the mountains of Samaria and see the great turmoil in the city and the acts of oppression within it. God is saying here to them, uh, have you, uh, Egypt is looking and Ashdod is looking and they're shocked by what they see. That's not a good statement. But anyway, uh, the people are incapable of doing right. This is the Lord's declaration. Those who store up violence and destruction in their citadels. Therefore, the Lord God says, an enemy will surround the land. He will destroy your strongholds and plunder your citadels. The Lord says, as the shepherd snatches two legs or a piece of an ear from the lion's mouth, so the Israelites who live in the Samaria will be rescued with only the corner of a bed or the cushion of a couch. Listen and testify against the house of Jacob. This is the declaration of the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. I will punish the altars of Bethel on the day I punish Israel for its crimes. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will demolish the winter house and the summer house. The houses inlaid with ivory will be destroyed, and the great houses will come to an end. This is the Lord's declaration. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, I... uh, had been told that I was supposed to ask before I got cookies out of the cookie jar. And uh, as most little boys are prone to do, I decided I would sneak some cookies while my parents weren't looking. And so I got those cookies out, I began to eat them and, and so forth. And um, I'm telling this through the mouths of my parents because I don't remember the, the incident. But anyway, they said I had cookies all over my face. And, and, uh, my, my dad asked me, Roger, have you been eating cookies? And I said, no. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, uh, they were not convinced. You know, a lot of times in, in life, uh, people think they do things, and, and maybe they're behind closed doors. Uh, they, they think that God doesn't know, that God doesn't see. But God sees everything. Uh, he knows uh, what we say uh, in, in behind closed doors, what we do behind closed doors. Uh, I remember the story of Elisha telling the king of Israel what the king of Aram was going to do. Uh, and the king of Aram finally said, hey, we've got a spy. What's going on here? Uh, Israel knows every move we're going to make. And, and they said, well, Elisha's telling them what you're going to do. And so uh, uh, he goes and tries to to uh, stop Elijah, Elisha unsuccessfully. 
but God knows everything. He knows everything about our lives. Now, um, if you are walking with God, then that's a good thing. If you're not walking with God, that's not a good thing. Uh, and so uh, that's one of the reasons that we need to be, be careful in our lives about uh, anything that, that is creeping into our lives that's sinful or displeasing in the eyes of the Lord and, and make sure we keep those sins confessed uh, and, and walk with God. We have a need to walk with God, a need for that relationship with Him, uh, for the joy, the abundant life, and it brings so much meaning. And one of the things that kills that quicker than anything is sin. And so the Israelites are involved in sin. Uh, matter of fact, they've gone so far down that road that judgment's coming upon their country. Uh, God is, is declaring this is what's going to happen. Now, whenever God gives a prophecy of judgment, implied in that prophecy of judgment is an offer of repentance. Have you ever thought about that? Because the fact that God even sent a prophet means that God cares about them and God wants them to repent. Aren't you glad that God cares about us enough to confront us? Um, I tell you what, I've been confronted in my life <laughs> and at different times and convicted of, of, of sin. And uh, I'm grateful for it. it. It gets the lines of communications back open. Uh, but... The Bible says that if we're unsaved, we're under God's wrath. According to John 3, 36, he who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And the wrath of God is on him. And so the unbeliever has to worry about the judgment of God. And I think that's where most of the, the people of Israel were. Uh, they were so down the road of sinfulness that they'd even forgotten what God's word said and what the covenant said. And Amos was sent to remind them of that. Uh, but also, the believer needs to be concerned about the chastening of God. Uh, Hebrews 12 says that God chastens those he loves. Uh, and that if you're not chastened, you're not a son. And so, uh, God disciplines us. And, and sometimes that discipline can be difficult or painful. Uh, and so, the best way to deal with that is to confess that sin, to, to ask God to give you a heart of repentance and, and make that choice to walk with God. So uh, we all need to repent of, of sin within our lives uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the title of my message is Repenting of Dangerous Sins. Uh, and there are four sins here that I, I think he's emphasizing that I just want to share with you tonight. Uh, the first one is ignoring God. Uh, ignoring God. Look at verse 2. I have known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. What's he saying there? Um, to whom much is given, much is required. As, as Americans, we have so much. We have Christian radio. Uh, we have some, some good ones on television. Uh, we have Bibles. Most of us have more than one translation at home. Uh, we've got so much that God has blessed us with. Um, what do we do with the things that we have? That's something to ask ourselves, not in a, in a uh, legalistic sort of way, but, but just to ask God, Lord, am I being a good steward of all the blessings that you've given me? 
Am I using what you've given me to serve you and to honor you in my life? Um, if you ignore God, what you do is you say, well, yeah, I've got all these things, but you know, I'm not really going to pay attention to the Lord. I'm not really going to uh, listen. I might even come to church. These, these folks were actually involved in corporate worship, but their hearts weren't in it. Uh, have you ever been there? You know, you're, you're sitting there listening and you're thinking, boy, I wish that preacher would be quiet. I'm ready to go to the house. I, I smelled that rose cooking before I left. <laughs> I'm just ready to go eat it. And, uh, uh, or, or you may be thinking about the ball game. In Texas, we, the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of times we play at 12 o'clock. And, buddy, I'm going to tell you, you close the service and it was like whoosh. You've seen one of those things where all the papers are floating in the air, you know? And it was, uh, it was unreal. Uh, sometimes we can worship and maybe our hearts in, or maybe you're going through a, a spiritually dry time. And you're just kind of going through the motions, and, and the joy is not there, and your heart's not in it. Um, we need to be careful during those times that we don't drift from the Lord as the Israelites did. Um, I know there was a season of time in my life where I went through kind of a spiritual desert, and um, I, be, I, I drifted some, not, not a huge amount, I drifted, and... Um, Finally, God began to convict me of some things, and, and I said, Lord, you know, I'm just going to surrender. I, I'm just tired of being in a spiritual desert. I need your joy. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I, I was just ready. I was tired of the desert. I said, give me uh, the water of life uh, afresh and anew. I just need to, need to be refreshed by you, Lord. And, uh, and so uh, be careful that you don't get distracted by life. You remember the, the parable of the sower, and he talks about the, the weeds sprouting up and the, all the things choking and making it unfruitful. Um, sometimes that can happen, and, and maybe it's not intentional, but we begin to focus on anything and everything but God, and we, we end up ignoring uh, the most important thing. Um, in verse 3, he says, Can two walk together without re- agreeing to meet? Uh, I think God is saying, Look, this is an opportunity for you to come into agreement with me. I'm giving you a warning. I'm encouraging you. Let's get, let's get back on the right footing in our relationship. Um, and, and put me first in your life again. Um, as a nation, as individuals in a nation, uh, put me first. Um, sadly, they didn't listen. Uh, the, the northern kingdom ended up going into captivity and the southern kingdom, except for the city of Jerusalem, ended up being destroyed. All the cities, all the fortified cities in, in Judah were destroyed. And finally, Hezekiah, good king Hezekiah, finally came to the point where he prayed. And God brought that great deliverance. But by and large, most of the people continued to ignore God. Um, how many times have you gone out of... A Sunday school class, uh, a service, and you thought, you know what? I need to make a change here in my life. And before long, you've forgotten all about it, and you've gone on, and you've continued. See, it's so subtle. Make sure you don't ignore God. Did you know that's a serious thing? That's one of the reasons I entitled this uh, Repenting of Dangerous Sins, because sometimes we don't necessarily think of, of a sin like ignoring God as being a serious thing, but it is a serious thing. Uh, you remember uh, the, the church at Ephesus? And God, in, in the book of Revelation, he said, uh, 
you're doing all these things right. You got great doctrine. You stood up for me against false doctrine. Uh, you're working hard. You're doing all these things. You're you, so many good things to say about the church at Ephesus. He said, "I have one thing against you." He said, "You've left your first love." He said, "Repent. If you don't, I'll take away your candlestick." Which is basically, I'm saying, I'm going to take away your church. Church won't be there anymore. No more, no more candlestick there. Uh, why? Because God was not number one. Somehow they had shifted into this mode of, of, of putting God second. And he was no long, they no longer had a love for God like they used to have. Don't allow those things to go unchecked in your life. Uh, make sure you repent of those things because uh, it's important. So uh, repent of ignoring sins. Or ignore, excuse me. Repent of ignoring God. Secondly, repent of discarding obedience. They were discarding obedience. Um, look at verse 10. The people are incapable of doing right. Have you ever gotten frustrated? Hopefully you're not, you haven't told this to your kids, but I've heard parents tell this to their kids. Can you behave at all? You know, and, you know I mean, just total exasperation. The kid, you know, I don't, it's probably uh, that famous phrase, you've gotten on my last nerve, you know what I'm saying? And, and they're, they're frustrated and, you know, whatever, the kids have too much caffeine or whatever, and, and it's just difficult. And so uh, God has come to the point, it, it's gotten so bad that everywhere he looks there's evil. People aren't doing right. I looked for somebody to stand in the gap. I was reading that in Isaiah the other day. I looked for somebody to stand in the gap, and I couldn't find anybody. There wasn't one person praying. There wasn't one person seeking me. That's how bad it had gotten. They had drifted, 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 drifted from God until there was, there was nobody. There was worship going on in the sense that people were meeting and they were going through the motions. But there was no heart for God. And so they'd gone down this path of wickedness. I know we, we, uh, we had in Texas several different things that, that I found was, was kind of saddening and interesting at the same time. Just to see the dynamic. <clears throat> uh, Dallas had what they called a gay church. Um, and uh, it was total, totally made up of homosexuals. And uh, we, we saw just a little clip uh, when I was in college of, of what was going on there. And they were talking about the love of God and so forth and applying it to their, uh, to their situation. Uh, and I find that remarkable. You're, you're, you're going to the, to the thing of you're having a, you have a church building, you're going to church, you're, you're on the outside attempting to worship God, but on the inside are as far from him as you could possibly be. Um, they also have atheist churches now. Did you know that? Uh, I, I saw that in a in a Baptist publication recently. Um, they they're starting to some atheists in certain areas are starting to meet in a church building. Well, at least they're admitting that it's a religion. Uh, but but yeah, they I mean people are coming to a building and yet it has nothing to do with God. If you go over to Europe, in many places in Europe now, you've got these great cathedrals where um, worship used to take place and you just got a, 
got a few people rattling around and, and there's no power and there's no Holy Spirit in, involved in it. It's, it's all just dr- dead, dry formalism. I heard W.A. Crystal talk about him, about going to one of those great cathedrals and he said that the guy that preached said nothing about the Word of God. He talked about the habits of the humpback whale. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's religion, but there's no God. And, and the people drift further and further and further into sin. And so God's looking down and he's saying, look, I, I look at you and I see sin everywhere I look. You need to repent. You can't discard obedience. Uh, you say, well, well, preacher, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Praise God, hallelujah, Trice. I, I agree with you. We are not under the law. I'm not safe by what I do, praise God, because I'd be in trouble. Uh, I'm not under the law as a means of my salvation. Uh, I'm not even under the law as far as, you know, what the blessings and curses and all of that. Uh, But I am responsible to be obedient to God in the things that he tells me to do in his word. Um, You know, there are some things that don't change from Old Testament to New Testament. You know, it's always wrong to steal. Always wrong to murder someone. Uh, you know, I mean, these things are not things that change from covenant to covenant. Uh, they're part of God's character. And, and you can find in the New Testament these things again. These things are, are not things you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. The works of the flesh are obvious, Galatians says, and then he lists a bunch of them. Uh, these are not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit. Um, so why is obedience important? Well, obedience is important because God has given promises to those who obey. Uh, you want treasure in heaven? Comes through obedience. Uh, do you want a close walk with God? I didn't say do you want salvation, but I said do you want a close walk with God? Salvation comes by grace. Your close walk with God also comes by grace, but it comes by grace through the Holy Spirit empowering you to live that obedient life. And, and that close walk with God, that intimacy with God comes through obedience. Why? Because when I sin, I quench the Holy Spirit. So, I won't ever have a close walk with God if I don't live in obedience. Another reason to be obedient is the chastening of God. Uh, I've experienced that chastening before. It's not pleasant. <laughs> um, and so, um, so, repent of the sin of discarding obedience. Thirdly, dis- repent of the sin of destroying people. Of destroying people. Look at verse 10. Those who store up violence and destruction in their citadels. Now, This was a very prosperous time in Israel's history. Israel, um, both northern kingdom and southern kingdom, had strong kings. Jeroboam II was the northern kingdom's king. Uh, Uzziah was the southern kingdom's king. They both both were very good kings uh, uh, and very uh, wealthy time for, for both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, they had ivory. Uh, you, you see the things about the ivory in the scripture here. Uh, they've actually uncovered archaeological digs where they've discovered 
these, these plaques of ivory and so forth from that time period. Very wealthy, very wealthy. And yet, they were getting that wealth the wrong way. They were destroying people to get it. And so, what could have been the blessing of God, had they been following Him, uh, ended up being a reason for judgment. That's why God mentions destroying their ivory-covered houses and so forth. Why? Because uh, it was gotten by hurting other people. You've heard, step on whoever you can to get to the top. Uh, That's not God's philosophy. Uh, God cares about people. And so we need to repent of the sin of destroying people. You say, well, Pastor, I've not uh, taken my my 357 Magnum and blown anybody away recently. What are you talking about? Well, not only destroying people in that way, I mean, that's obviously a sin. We can destroy people through our words, right? Um. Have you ever heard somebody just just belittle and tear down someone else? It kind of makes me mad. I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. It's just kind of one of my pet peeves. Sometimes I'll hear somebody overhear a conversation, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. Or maybe in a home. Sometimes I've been in homes where I've been visiting. I hear somebody saying something to somebody else. I'm like, that's awful. <laughs> You're tearing down this person. You're, you're destroying their, their sense of, of self-image and, and all of that. You're, you're, you're annihilating them with your words. There are, there are I understand, some cases of uh, spousal abuse that there's not one lick physically. But where somebody is so cruel with their words that their spouse goes over and huddles in the corner. That's horrible. That's horrible. Uh, we can destroy people with our words. We need to be careful when we say things to other people if it hurts them, especially if they give us feedback about it hurting them. Hey, man, that hurts my feelings. We need to listen to that and realize that our words do have power. You remember that, uh, that saying when you were little, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Well, the Bible begs to differ. The Bible says that words do hurt, and words do matter. And so um, we need to be careful we're not destroying others. How's another way we can destroy people? We can destroy them through gossip. Have you ever seen somebody's reputation ruined through gossip? Come to find out later on it wasn't even true what the person was saying. Uh, I, I can't think of a specific thing. There was, there was a thing a few years ago I remember reading uh, in the news, uh, and, you know, they always put the retraction back several pages, right? And, uh, and, and oh, by the way, we were wrong about this, and this didn't really happen, uh, but the damage is done. What about God's church, gossiping about God's church? Is that a dangerous sin? I believe it is. Um, if we use our tongues to destroy or to attempt to destroy the work of God that he's doing in our church, then who are we picking on? We're not just picking on another person. We're picking on God's children. We're, we're opposing God's purpose. Uh, that's a dangerous sin. So um, 
obviously violence. Uh, God hates violence. Why? Because he loves us. He doesn't want us to, to go hurt somebody else physically or otherwise because he created us in his image. We're valuable to God. I, I, I tell you what, th- this whole thing about evolution is, is so harmful to our society because it devalues human life. Is it any wonder that, that some of the crazy things that are happening uh, are happening today when we teach people that human beings are no different than, than an animal? And we believe that. I, I heard that in, somewhere up in New England, they had a law that you couldn't trim your trees because it was abuse. Can you believe that? Crazy. And, and, and our societies believe that. Did you know that Hitler used evolution as part of the basis for what he did? I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why the truth of God's word is important. Because we are valuable. We're made in the image of God. And if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you are his son or daughter. You're important to God. So uh, we don't need to destroy people. You say, well, preacher, you're in a Sunday night crowd, you know. Uh, (laughs) I know some of y'all are probably thinking that. Well, I'm just, God's word, okay? Um, Maybe God wants you to share it with somebody else. (laughs) Um. Ignoring God, discarding obedience. Now, let's face it, we've all done both of those things, right? At different times. And then destroying people. We've all said thoughtless words. We've all hurt people with our speech. So we need to be careful about that. Uh, finally, worshiping idols. We need to repent of the sin of worshiping idols. Look at verse 14. I will punish the altars of Bethel. Now, you have to understand, Bethel uh, and Dan were two of the, the main centers of idol worship in the northern kingdom of Israel. So, understanding that kind of helps you understand what he's, going, what he's going for here. I will punish the altars of Bethel on the day I punish Israel for its crimes. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. Now, is God really punishing the altar itself? Well, I believe he's making a specific prophecy that that's going to happen, but it's, it's a broader punishment. God's saying, I'm bringing judgment upon idolatry. Worshiping other gods, worshiping idols. Um, there are many places in the world today where that still happens, where, where people chisel out a, please don't put a Buddha in your house. Okay? God calls them an abomination. <laughs> so, uh, don't, uh, but, but those things are not supposed to be things that we do. Uh, but not just with the idols that we form with our hands, but also uh, sometimes the, the idols that we have just in our priorities, when our priorities get out of whack. Some people have the God of money. I think that was, was true here, you know, uh, do harm to whoever you have to do harm to to get money. There's a philosophy here. And, and God says, you've made an idol out of money. Some people have an idol out of their work. Everything else comes second to work. Some people make an idol out of family. Family's a good thing. Praise God for it. God, family ought to be number two in your priority list. But it's not more important than God. 
whatever it might, might be, anything that takes priority over your relationship with God can be an idol. Another way you can worship an idol is just to make a God that you like. Um, have you ever heard anybody say, well, my God would never do such and such? You know, they fill in the blank. I've heard that several times. And sometimes it might be appropriate and scriptural. Other times it's totally off base. Well, your God must not be the God of the Bible, right? I mean, sometimes you, you, people can, can make a false image of God and, and they, they're thinking wrongly about him. So we need to submit our, our thinking to the word of God and what God says about himself. So um, that's a dangerous sin. If you look in the prophets, almost everywhere you look, you'll see idolatry, as one of the things mentioned. God wants to be first in our lives. So important. Make sure you repent of the sin of worshiping idols. From time to time, do a priority check. And ask yourself, is God really number one in my life? Am I spending time with him? Am I giving? Am I serving? Uh, what? Am I, am I serious about the things of God? Um, is he number one? And make sure he's number one. Um, so, repenting of these things. Repent of ignoring God, discarding obedience, destroying people, and worshiping idols. We as God's people need to do that because our relationship with God and the sweetness of it and, and the power and service and all of those things come with having a right heart so it's important for us to to do some examination from time to time in our life uh, it's important for our society too uh, these the issues of morality are not uh flip a coin and decide well it's you know, what i what i choose to believe that's your truth this is my truth and all that garbage that's what it is uh, there's one truth and it's what god says it is it's based on the character and being of God. And uh, we can ignore that, but as we ignore that, we reap the consequences in our society. Uh, we can ignore that, but as we ignore that, we reap the consequences in our families. Aren't we reaping the consequences in our families? You know, look out in the, in the culture and you see so much brokenness uh, in the family. Um, you, you cast those things aside, and you, you reap consequences on so many levels. Sometimes I wonder, the, the big push of all the atheists to get the Ten Commandments removed from the schools, um, which is worse, school shootings or the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall? Used to be a time kids knew Thou shalt not kill. Just a thought. We've, we've, we've put those things to the side in our society and reaping the benefits. So, uh, reaping the consequences of it. So, we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for brokenness. We need to pray for revival. Um, and, and we as God's people need to be alert uh, to the sins in our own life so that we can be used by God to make a difference. Aren't you glad that God makes a difference? I'm going to tell you something. We're not, we're not doomed to stay in, in a situation of decay in our society. We have, we have a choice. We have an ability to make a difference. 
Even if everybody else goes down the wrong path, there are still Daniels, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's in the, in the captivity, aren't there? God's purpose won't be thwarted. And those of us who, who seek to be used by him will be used. Isn't it amazing? Daniel still speaking hundreds and hundreds of years later. Who would have thought? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, still speaking through their courageous stand. Uh, what impact could we have on our kids as we walk in obedience, our grandkids, whatever? Uh, our friends, our relationships, as we walk in obedience to God. I want to tell you something. This world is so hungry to see real Christianity. They're hungry for it. They want to see people. You, you know what I found when I, when I was out in the secular workplace? Once people knew I was a Christian, they would put everything I said and did under the microscope. Have any of you had that experience? You know, I would say, darn it. And they'd say, oh, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> or, you know, you, you make a joke or something, and it's not, nothing but really bad, but they're, oh, you know. And, and what are they doing? They're, they're crying out to see somebody who's real. They're crying out for it. They're, they're watching. You and I have the opportunity to be a light in a decaying culture spiritually and to make a difference. Isn't that a neat thing? Make sure you're where you need to be with God so that you can be that light and you can make that difference uh, in a world that so desperately needs it. Pray. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us.